0: you. Hallelujah. Amen. You, you might feel like patty caking him on Friday, but it's Wednesday. Amen. So we, well, somebody, I got here to church last night and someone who will remain nameless. It was maybe 915. Maybe nine. Is there a word from the Lord? <laughs> I was like, I was like, you just you just ate dinner ten minutes ago. What do you mean? <laughs> hallelujah, amen. So so maybe Friday you'll be like, oh, I don't, I, I can't clap anymore. Oh, I, I haven't eaten all year. <laughs> hallelujah, amen. But now you've just missed breakfast. Okay, hallelujah. Amen. We thank God because we said that in addition to the revival, um, we have the shut-in. So it's like we've got the double portion going on. Amen. Uh, And then if you consider the fast, that's like the triple threat right there. Amen. How awesome is that to start the year with a, a triple portion of God's grace, amen, being released on your life. I think that that is amazing. that is amazing. Amen. And so as we are going through this um, consecration by God's grace. We're calling on uh, some of our ministers to share a word concerning what God is uh, pouring into them in this time of elevation through transformation. Amen. And uh, we heard from Minister Kim uh, during our six o'clock a.m. time. And what was she talking about? Anybody remember? I love you. Amen. Say that again. Amen. Talking about the love of God, being able to receive it. Amen. Pastor Janet. you forgot that we was having a six o'clock session. Uh, you missed it, but we got it on tape. Amen. Yeah. So, so we, like I said uh, earlier, we encourage you uh, to get the, the, the evening services, but also uh, the 6 a.m. and the 12 noon sessions are being recorded as well. So, again, we're going to hit you with a triple play amen and to to get that that uh, year started off amen like i said <coughs> i didn't realize i was sharing it with the with those in the sanctuary but i had um mother van zant playing just over and over um throughout the few hours that we had between um the end of the service and 6 a.m amen there there were those who uh let me know that they heard it too <laughs> hallelujah <laughs> Uh, so, sorry. <laughs> um, amen. But we thank God that um, our ministers are, are here and we, we give God praise for for what is in the house. My son walked up to me a few minutes ago and he said, did you write a book? And I was like, I thought he was thinking about my Ph.D. thesis. Uh, he doesn't know anything about that, but I said, yeah, I did. He said, is it called SOAR? And I said, "Yeah." So he's just discovering in the sound room that that, that we have some books back there that yeah. some of us have written. Amen. So so uh, you yeah, check it out. Amen. It was uh, I thought it was pretty good. Amen. Pastor Jeanette has a few books back there. So hallelujah. So yeah, go go and, and see. It, it doesn't even cost a lot either. Amen. But we thank God for Doctor Benedict Y. Johnson. Amen. <laughs> Amen, the Lord The Lord sent the Johnsons this way. How, how long ago has it been eight years? Amen. Sent them eight years. And, and uh, he, he really blessed me a few weeks ago. I don't know what I had done. I was thanking him for something, uh, and uh, he had shared that. He said, "I love my church." He said, "I am having my needs met." And I am able to be a blessing as well as be blessed. I was like, okay, so so it sounds like he's found his godliness with contentment. Amen. Because when when I asked the leaders, uh, is there anything else that you want to do? He was like, oh, no, I'm good. (laughs) He was like, I'm in my happy place. (laughs) Amen. But um, but you all uh, are aware that uh, he has an unusual testimony um, as far as being someone who is a, a world-renowned um, scientist. He started out in economics. I mean, that's like crazy. You know, you, you hear people in our world of science, they you know, maybe engineers, and then they go into science. Uh, like physics or whatever, or vice versa. But I've not run across anyone who you would have thought of as a political scientist or or um, somebody who would have had a, a more businessy kind of bent, you know, or or academic. And so, but God knew how to mix it all up, amen, and put a, a big Ghanaian bow on it, amen, and then send it on this way. And so, and but don't get it twisted while He is a trailblazer in the lab. He gives all glory to God. Amen. And we thank God that he has uh, agreed to share with us uh, during this noon hour. So let's receive the word from our own Minister Benedict Johnson.
1: All by the grace of God, amen all by the grace of god amen and good afternoon and a happy new year it 's such a blessing to uh, to start new year in a revival mode and first and foremost, I want to give honor to uh, our heavenly Father for the work of transformation that he has uh, done in my life that uh, Uh, Made it possible for me to come out of my comfort zone and and stand before uh, um, men and women of God to share His His word. It's just uh, amazing when I when look back how far the Lord has uh, brought me uh, in my walk with Him. Uh, I recall when I was in Norway, and uh, that was when I was young and uh, as as a a Christian, and then the pastor of the church that we were um, attending asked me this. Uh, uh Brother Johnson, they uh, would like to uh, uh, uh share a word of uh, testimony, and I said in Norwegian, nine, nine means no <laughs> So that was so far the Lord has brought me, and I was not uh, comfortable even to share uh, the word of God. let them know, uh, to share testimony, let them know to share um, uh, the word of God. And then I give honor to uh, our bishop, the angel and the shepherd of this house, um, Pastor Jeanette, co-mate, and all the leaders of uh, Faith to Faith ministry, my own family, and my church family. Um, the theme of this, um, uh, or the theme this year, is uh, Elevation Through Transformation. And I want to talk about uh, one aspect of this theme, which is the transformed life. So we have uh, to, uh, how would we position ourselves to, um, position ourselves to receive uh, the blessings of the promises of God, which are yes and amen. How do we position ourselves? It's just like, I liken this theme to be like uh, the promotion that you get on the job, after, uh, uh, based on your performance. Uh, uh, you have to um, um, excel, you know, after some accomplishment, and then you meet some r- r- criteria or requirement, your performance is reviewed, and then uh, becomes elevation, which on the job is a promotion. And I see 2014 as a, a year of breakthrough a year of ten around, a year of uh, promotion and recognition. So how do we position ourselves uh, to receive these blessings, which uh, we can sum up, elevation. And so the title, as I said, is The Transform Life. And the key scriptures will be Acts chapter 9 and Romans uh, chapter 12. And I want to use... Uh, um, uh, Paul, the confession of the confession of Saul as a background uh, for this topic. Um, you know that uh, uh, Paul was a transformed man, and God. Before that, he was a guy who was persecuting the uh, the Christians, and he was on his way to uh, Damascus, and he an- encountered the Lord in a dramatic way where he turned his life around and God used him in a powerful way to advance uh, his kingdom work. So the, the confession of Saul is one of the great days in the history of the church. The, the importance of this conf- confession is indicated by the fact that it is mentioned uh, three times uh, with detail in the book of Acts. We find de- uh, details uh, in chapter 9, Uh, chapter 22, and chapter 26. Uh, You see that anything in the Bible, anything that's repeated uh, with that frequency has a great uh, significance. And uh, it is also alluded to uh, many times by Paul himself in his writing in his his, uh, epistles. So the, the confession of Saul became the pivot not only on which his life turned, but on which the history of the church uh, turns. And you and I, in a tremendous measure, are indebted to this man uh, for whatever we may know about God and about salvation, because he wrote um, half or more than half of the books of the New Testament if we consider him as the author of the book of Hebrews. And it was so, it was fitting that his Uh, confession uh, be very unique uh, because he was such a unique person by birth he was a Jew by citizenship he was a Roman, by education he was a Greek by confession and grace he was a Christian and he became the best of all those things in combination he was a missionary a theologian, evangelist a pastor, organizer, a leader, a thinker, a statesman, a fighter for the truth, and at the same time, a lover of souls. So he was everything that a Christian could and should be short of being what Jesus Christ is. Amen. So the the story of the conversion of Saul is a great evidence of the Father God can take the crummiest of the crummy, the worst of the worst, and make them the best. God is in the business of doing that. And nobody ever gets too low that they cannot be redeemed. And sometimes I think we wonder whether the grace of God can ever be extended in certain cases. And that is just exactly where the grace of God does its greatest and most glorious work. So the transformation of Saul, of Tarsus occurred in an instant. And like all Christians, he became a new creation. He was dead in sin. He who was dead in sin became alive to God. He who was insensitive to divine truth began to taste that God is good. He who was blind began to see. And he who was in darkness stepped into blazing light. He who, he who did only evil continually began to do good. The hell bound became the heaven bound. The rebel, the rebel uh, became a sun. And I can relate to Saul's confession to my own uh confession. I have shared my uh, testimony to many of you uh I was born to uh, I was born and raised in in a christian home uh both my my mom and dad were active uh, members of a, what we call a charismatic slash apostolic slash Pentecostal church and we attended the church regularly. Uh, but, my heart was not I was not in the church, and as uh, when I um, had the opportunity to go to college, I walked away from my faith. I had nothing to do with uh, the Christian faith I was um, in in college I become radicalized not for Jesus but for the devil, for the enemy. I wanted to fit in so in uh, uh, the the town that uh, where I was born, the college, like CCC in Corning, we have the college in my hometown. And then I had a full scholarship to go to the college. And you have an option whether you want to stay home, like you stay home, or you stay on campus. And I chose to uh, uh, stay on campus so that I can uh, fit in. And then uh, so what happened is, and I've shared this many times, that... Uh, I, I, anytime I hear that there's a revival in town or there's a crusade in town, I will hear, I'll get wind of it, and I will lead uh, friends of mine and we we attend, not to hear the word, just to uh, disrupt uh, the service, uh, causing a uh, distraction here and there, uh, and sometimes some of the pastors uh, will, uh, will be cursing me. We did that, right? like Paul, opposing the uh, uh, the, the word of God. So when I was in college, I had two dreams. The first dream was to be in the in the navy, and then the second dream is to travel abroad. So the first dream was when I saw the arm, uh, the the armed forces took over several times. They took over the government, which which was uh, common in, in third world countries. Uh, the, the the army is not happy with the the government there. They They go to the broadcasting station and announce the overthrow of the government. They take over and then they introduce martial law. They saw the brutalities, and so I didn't want to be part of it. So that I was abandoning the dream. So what was left was to uh, make plans uh, uh, to travel over uh, over, uh, overseas. But unfortunately, I didn't have uh, 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 my family. were not uh, were not rich. We didn't have the means. It was a struggle even to. Uh, it was just by the grace of god I mean i wasn 't serving him that I had a full scholarship to to go to college so once I uh, graduated um, a week after I left, I left Ghana and went to uh, Nigeria to what we call the uh, to find a job and I was in uh, Nigeria for uh, two years where I was able to raise some money, came back home. Uh, Establish business still not uh, I't give my life to god and uh, what in Ghana in African countries that we still even when we go to church, you still believe in the what we call um, animistic worship, the worship of uh, other gods where Africans believe with the black magic and all this so with the black magic, what you do is we know that demons, witches, and wizards uh, are present, and the way you protect yourself is to you kind of pay these uh, uh, witch doctors uh, to give you protection. And, and that's what, it, what you have uh, like a treaty. You pay them, depending on how much you pay them, either they bless you or if you want to put a curse on somebody, you do all kind of this. So when I came back and uh, my business was doing well, I was making a lot of money, and, and you tell me, oh, there's a great uh, divine, not a prophet, uh, uh, like you say, the man of God, but this is the uh, uh, witch doctors I will be there, and then uh, I tell them my story. This is what I want to do. I want to travel overseas and so, okay, bring this, bring this, sometimes they will ask you to bring chicken, sometimes they ask you bring goat. and with money, and the they kind of all concoctions that you want to use all to what, uh grant you favor which it doesn't work at all. And so I did for years. And so a month before um, the business was going on, I always say, again, the grace of God, you reject God, but God did not reject me. And even he saved me from uh, two serious accidents. I've shared one was on my way to Ghana. We were driving, uh, our, the bus was, was run over a bridge. And we were about, a passenger, about 60 passengers, and one person died on the spot. It's so much of so three times, God saved me, spared my life. He sustained me in all this, even though I was not working with him. So we come to the point where a month before, uh, I got all my visas ready to leave, and I said, this time I've had enough, enough with this, but nothing worse. Sometimes they can tell you go to the go to the cemetery and get the the bone from this part and I will use it and uh, conjure something to get a blessings on you. Uh, you will be scared to go to African cemetery. It's not here where you you be scared. So okay, if you can afford, you can do that, just give us the money and we we'll get the bone for you. Sometimes they use a the chicken bone for in place. So it's all of the deception. So I had enough with it and so. I decided this time I will go and consult or talk to a, uh, there was a, uh, a pastor of a church. We are organizing a, a prayer camp. And with the same mindset, you know, with the juju, you pay them, right? You pay them for, for, for the service. I went with the same mindset and I talked to the pastor. This is what I want to do. I want to uh, travel or abroad and I want you to bless me, you know, pray a blessing upon me. And this man said something that's changed my life. He said, you cannot buy the blessings of God. You cannot buy the blessings of God. You have to have a relationship with God to position yourself to receive his blessings. And that was the turning point in my life that I accepted Christ into my life. And all things became new for me. Amen. So that is the transform, the uh, life of a transform, uh, transformation that I was personally experienced in my life. So let's come back on the topic. So I wanted to take a look at some of the the marks or the features of uh, a transformed life, a person whose life has been transformed. Number one is someone whose life has been transformed is has a, uh, has a sincere passion for God. He has a sincere passion for God. He is faithful in the service of God. He's filled with the spirit of God. He has fellowship with uh, the, uh, uh, the saints or the, the brothers and sisters of uh, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. He's fervent in speaking. He's fearless in suffering. So we know that change is something that, or change or transformation is that we, something that we all need. It is an ongoing part of life. With its constant flux, life des- demands adjustment for our schedules and plans. Essentially, change is the new norm. But people's spiritual lives call for more than slight changes to the calendar. Our lives are in need of transformation. And then I want to share with you three biblical facts, facts or truths about transformation. First, real change or transformation starts with new life, not just a new leaf. It is not like a stream makeover. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5-7, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So the very heart of the Christian faith revolves around change or transformation. But it is not turning over a new leaf. It is living out a new life. Amen? then the second truth is that change is a transformation, it's a process. It is not a destination. Sometimes it can be a slow and painful process. In most every area of our society today, we have come to expect results, what fast. But character, for example, integrity, Change is slow. We sometimes lose hope that we will ever change. But God doesn't want us to give up, but instead press on. There is a the need for us to remember that re- real change is a process. And this is attested by the Bible. So, In, in Philippians 1, 6 we read, Being confident of this very thing, That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So the ultimate goal of Christianity is transformation from unrighteous to righteous. From takers to givers. From hearers to doers. From people of the world to people of God. From self-centered to Christ-centered, from lovers of the flesh to lovers of the spirit, from independent to interdependent, from inevitable death to everlasting life. Transformation is an ever-changing process that shapes the life of a Christian, a congregation, and a city. And the third Truth about transformation is that change or transformation is letting it go and grabbing hold. Amen. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 says that however, that however is not the way of life you learn when you heard about Christ and were thought in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were thought with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desire to be made new in the altitude of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we have to let go our old self and grab the new self. And amen. But why the question is why is it difficult for us to accept the change? Here are some reasons. First, because we are stubborn by nature. We are stubborn. Second, because we are trapped and we find it difficult to to break loose and because we are comfort we are comfortable that we like to be uh, in our comfort zone as it used to be in the past, because we are afraid. As Mother Vanzar said yesterday, to step up the cliff, we don't want to take the unnecessary risk. And because things hurt, it's painful. Change can be painful, and because we lack power, amen. So then, how do our lives become transformed? How do our lives become transform or how do we achieve a transformed life the first is renewal is to have the mind of Christ have the mind of Christ in Romans 12 1 and 2 tells us that having a renewed mind that is putting on the mind of Christ is the link to our being transformed into Christ's image and living the truth this, is, this passage is saying that if we don't allow God's life that is in our heart to flow out into our lives, that our souls, then it will be just like the world, showing false self-life and not God's life at all. We will be living a lie saying we are Christians and yet our actions disprove it. And the next question is why our why are our thoughts so important to God? Why God wants us to have the mind of Christ? The reason uh, that are so important to God, why our thoughts are so important to God, is that our thoughts are the first to be triggered in the ch- in the chain reaction of our souls. Our thoughts trigger our emotions our emotions stir up our desires, and then our desires produce our actions. So if we could catch our negative thoughts when they first occur, we could stop the whole chain reaction before it even begins. And we will be able to prevent a lot of sin that occurs in our lives. So when God saves Take every thought captive. He doesn't mean look at and dissect every single thought we have. He means stop. Take a good, hard look at the anxious ones, the hurtful ones, the doubtful ones, the frustrations, the anger, the pride, and all All our other emotional and ungodly thoughts. That God wants us to take control of that. Then the second step is to surrender. Complete surrender. The first verse of Romans 12 tells us to be a living sacrifice. We present ourselves as a living sacrifice. We have to utterly surrender to God's plans. Not to strike a treaty for trading favors as I, my, as I, uh, I, I tried to do when I, I went to uh, the church to like have a contract with God. Somehow pay God for his blessings. With God's blessings are conditional. Salvation is free, but the blessings of God are conditional. It depends on the relationship that we have uh, with him. So, the example of worship as a living sacrifice, sacrifice is much of our transform, where transformation begins. So, a transformed life is marked by a willing surrender. The next step is love. Love should be at the forefront of our life. You see, the word love is terribly abused in the English language, because We have only one word to refer to our love for a spouse, love for children, spouse, and even love for pizza. So love is, is, but love biblically is essentially the choice to value the need of another rather than our own. Though simplistic as a definition, it becomes a manner of living that runs counter to the world. Transformation shows up in many forms in believers' lives, but love is one trait that Christ clearly said will distinguish our lives from the rest of the world. A transformed life is marked by genuine love. Amen? The next step is diligence. diligence. We have to be determined. Romans twelve eleven says, Do not lack diligence, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. So it is very important for us to remember that the Christian life is not a sprint, but a marathon and the imagery through the scriptures shows that God's people must persist. Then number five is we have to have a a proper perspective. True transformation requires faith. We believe that through faith, in God's grace, one becomes a disciple of Christ. But faith does not have its ending point at the moment of salvation. Faith is required to please God. It is through the lens of faith that believers should see the work of God and their own lives knowing that we are often bruised by life the perspective of faith allows us to see beyond the present circumstances the life of faith must not only be painted as a hope for things to come in eternity faith is an active portion of how we view the current condition of life. It is the recognition with the community that life is difficult but not impossible. Living out transformation requires the perspective that that my strength and my ingenuity will never be sufficient. They were not sufficient to secure my soul for eternity And they will not be able to get me through the years of this life. Faith is being convinced that God is there and he is for us. Maintaining this right perspective of faith will keep believers in a state of reliance on Christ. And it is the active reliance that living our transformation is possible. So, a transformed life is marked by a perspective of faith. And number six is living in a community with believers. That is, we have fellowship with one another. The book of Romans 12 deals with how believers relate to one another. From verses 13 to 20, a model is given to us from remaining close to one another. The language of the passage points to the needs we have. Sharing, hospitality, blessing, weeping, peace, hunger, tests. Meeting these needs for one another is where transformation shows itself. Community or fellowship is the place that catalyzes change. A transformed life is marked By living in a community with believers and last but not the least is we have to pursue righteousness so what does practicing righteousness look like righteousness is defined as without guilt or sin we could also define it as right having a right standing with God Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter five verse twenty one. He made him who knew no sin to be a sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus never sinned, right? He, he never did anything to deserve the sin, that sin being laid upon him. But he took that, that sin on him. He became a sin so that we who didn't do anything to become righteous could become righteous. So because of Jesus' sacrifices, God is able to treat us as if we have never sinned. And that's why the Bible tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find the grace to help us in times of need. So you see, the only way we are able to come to that throne is because God's eyes. The second we ask forgiveness is like we've never sinned. It is like that we are back in the Garden of Eden, and we can have the same relationship with Almighty God that Adam had before the fall. Righteous living is a mark of transformed life. So I will sum up with this uh, transformed life is a resurrected life. First Corinthians six nine through eleven said, Know ye that know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but not deceive. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, or covetous, or drunkards, or revilers, extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom. And such were many of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of God. God loves us the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. He loves us the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. So transformation involves a change of direction from hell to heaven, a change of actions from a sinful lifestyle to virtuous living. Transformation involves change of motives from rebellion to submission and delight. Amen.